Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, welcome back. Glad you guys could be here with us today. We're going to be talking about perfectionism and how that impacts your writing and your life, which, um, you know, I actually had a very anxious morning preparing for this talk uh, because I wanted to do it perfectly. Yes, I had a similar thing. So I did a bunch of, I Googled a bunch of stuff and I found an article about perfectionism from Psychology Today, and it starts out by saying, perfectionism is a trait that makes life an endless report card on accomplishments. And I was like, ah, I hope I get, I hope I get them all right. Right? Like, I hope I, I hope I can accomplish this. Like, so it's, it's been a very triggering thing to think about. And yes, Lori and uh, I had to text each other already and call each other because we were like, oh my God, we're so anxious about talking about perfectionism. <laughs> this is, I can't even work. I can't work. So, yeah, so, um, so yeah, that um, is um, just for our listeners, in case you didn't know, that's what we call irony. <laughs> uh, when you work in that's what that well, is called. Well, this show is about being honest and talking about what we suffer from. Yes. <laughs> so we do suffer. Oh. <laughs> well, good. We'll I have a quiz to give you both later about the, the signs of perfectionism. We'll, we'll see how we all score. Okay. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I know, I, me too. I was like, I better get all of them. I have to be perfect. <laughs> um, okay, but first let's talk about our week, which is our segment, Adventures in Screenwriting. So, Lorian, how was your week? Uh, it was uh, good, fairly uneventful. I delivered a script, a new script to my manager on Monday. So dun, I'm dun, dun. looking forward to him reading it. And uh, I started working on the Bible slash pitch for the show sort of where I imagine taking the series. Um, instead of that though, what I've been doing is, uh, cause I know I'm supposed to do that, but I'm like, that can wait. Um, I started working on my Dreamcast, right? Um, I found a, I found a song that I like that can be played over the end credits, right? I, I sort of, so I'm, I'm sort of doing everything that counts as working on the pitch, but not actually writing the pitch could you want uh, it to be perfect <laughs> because i want it to be perfect and when i did sit down and write i wrote a bunch of stuff that at the time i thought this is it this is so great what a great arc for this character and then last night i was like "Ugh, why am i giving all that good stuff to this side character maybe i should give that to the main character and then that spun me out into a whole other like mm. what if scenario so it's still a little mushy um, and so, and that's scary that I don't know the answer to what are the next five years for this character look like and why should I? But, you know, I, I feel like when you read someone's pitch document that's like out in the world, like you find the Fargo pitch document or some like Breaking Bad and you read it and you're like, wow, it's just so beautiful and perfect and deep and complex. And then I'm sitting here staring at like a page on my computer that has like, headlines character tone <laughs> world and there's like nothing beautiful and complex filled in there so it feels like what am i even doing right but then remembering what we always talk about which is put something there you're gonna have to rewrite it a million times so i'm sort of struggling with that put something there part this week. yes yes i love yeah. that your brain though jumped to oh i'm giving all this juice to a supporting character should it go to the main character? And the answer may be no, it may be not her storyline, but it's good to ask that question. Um, yeah. That always give your main character the juiciest bits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's TV, so you want everybody's going to get juicy bits. It's going to be more ensemble but um, I think that's awesome. Uh, how was your week, Meg? Um, I literally was like, Lorian's going to have to tell me how my week was because I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I said, I have a little bit of anxiety today, so I'm having a brain fry. It's not just about doing this show. It's about COVID and the political process and all kinds of things. Um, and it's hard because I have to still write, even though uh, I'm having anxiety, which it's hard to focus. Um, it's, everything's mm -hmm. a little foggy. 
So I'm trying to find areas in the script that the character's feeling anxious, the character's feeling fright frightened, and trying to write those to just dump it down into, mm -hmm. into something. Um, but really, I'm still slogging. You know, I'm surprised how fast the days are going because I have this due date, which is today. I mean, yesterday the director nicely said, listen, go into next week if you need to. Um, which in a weird way maybe is where the anxiety is coming from. I'm just realizing because <laughs> suddenly I'm like, oh, my God, it has to be better then. Um, but I'm so I'm just literally chunking it out like we talk about. I'm literally I mean, I have a lump, but now I'm going back in and filling in. OK, well, how would this happen and what's the dialogue here, um, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So my brain is a little fried. Um, but that document I could talk to you guys about last week that I I write any of my questions or, oh, my gosh, don't forget to track this or that makes no sense, but just keep going. It is really filling up. Uh, <laughs> and I really have to do that document before I send it to the director, I think. So I got to kind of get uh, a chiropractic crack going so that I can feel like it's a thing. Right now, it still feels like it's a bunch of pieces that I've strung together. Right. Um, I also, which was interesting, did an interview for a film that is now playing on Apple. Um, Apple, it's a, it's a pay-per-view called Working Man, which went through the Find Lab when I was a mentor there. And um, it took him 10 years to get the film made. And it's so nice that when they screened it for Find, they asked me to be the questioner. And of course, when they asked me, I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. And then the day of, I was like, oh my God, how do I do this perfectly? I have never asked questions to, I mean, it's three actors, um, you know, three producers. There, I mean, I just had never done this before. I was a beginner, in essence. And so I wanted to be more than a beginner. So I had a slight, it was, I was observing myself that, oh my gosh, you're being asked to do something for the first time and you're spinning out and want to do it perfectly. You're sending a lot of emails to this writer director <laughs> about, <laughs> about what questions to ask. And of course it went fine. I had like a document. This is so me. I had a document of like 20 questions. And in the time we had, I think I asked four or five because you don't have time. Um, so I just, it's interesting to see yourself uh, when you get asked to do new things um, and how right. you respond. Um, and then I'm a little, and the fun part is I'm having Christmas mania, which is fun because I'm stuck at home and I can actually complete my manger set. You can complete it. I can put it up. It'll look good, right? It's some way to get yes. completion in my life and to manifest something, and I'm not going to get notes on it. There's no right way to do it. Like, I mean, there is. Like, I literally have crap all over my house that I'm, like, taping up crooked, and it doesn't matter because I like it. And then I, my sister-in-law sends me a video of her house, which looks so, like, it could be in a magazine. And then I, so at first I was like, <gasps> my house does not look anything like this. And then I was like, oh, well, I, look, right. I'm not going to take notes on my decorating because my kids don't even notice anyways. So I like it. That's right. what I'm doing. So that was my And week. it reminds me that yesterday was the first night of Hanukkah. So mm. we, but it, but you're right. Um, I got, I had time to actually um, make latkes where normally I don't get to do that. But I will say uh, I ordered, this is a funny story about uh, just COVID life. I ordered five potatoes, five single potatoes. So I thought that's plenty to make like one batch of latke. And I got five, five pound bags of potatoes oh, no. instead. <laughs> Wait a minute. Five five-pound bags? Yes. Yeah, so, so you have 25... 25 pounds of potatoes? So if anyone wants potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> I'll wrap them up in a little baggie, put them on my porch. Yeah. So I, I gave five pounds away to a friend and, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do with all these potatoes. It's not terribly sad because potatoes are my favorite food group. They are mine too. I'll and I have over. an air fryer. So I feel like Hanukkah is set for me but air yeah fryer. It is... i want to talk to you offline about air fryers because <laughs> i need to know if i need to get one but we don't need to yes. talk about that on the show you do yeah. um <laughs> so i want to talk about something that you're talking about earlier in your week um which i think has to do with perfectionism which is that idea when we're anxious and how we get kind of foggy mm -hmm. and how like how do you cope with that and how do you push through it right because anxiety is a real thing and for me it's physical like my chest hurts and it's it's so distracting because i feel the pressure of it and like this is never going to go away it's a little i get panicked when i have a big 
anxiety whoosh in my body. And it's so hard to click out of that and click into something else. And I've tried all the things and they work sometimes and they don't, right? But sort of, I think this is probably a big thing in the world, especially now with people Mm. who are trying to focus and be creative and get rid of that fog and move through it. And I don't, I don't know that either, well, I certainly don't have a solution, but just sort of saying it out loud and acknowledging it that like, yeah, no, it's a real That's thing. A real thing. I mean, you know, what I do that I'm, I shouldn't do is I go down and have a cookie. I mean, I'm being honest. Like, I, <laughs> I have eat potatoes. when I get anxious. I eat potatoes. Well, potatoes I put them in my actually, air fryer. <laughs> potatoes actually physiologically lower adrenaline. So if you are having a panic, like, spike of adrenaline for whatever reason, go eat potatoes because it will well, lower that. Rice will increase it, by the way. Rice adds uh-huh. adrenaline. So just, there are physical things you can eat and you're trying to numb that out but of course that's not like healthy this is, no. we're gonna get like like posts from like health people like don't do that yeah, tell people I also to have, eat potatoes i also have some eating issues so don't come to me for advice about right. eating stuff <laughs> i'm just being honest i eat my anxiety but you know i yeah. sometimes literally walk i take a walk and that helps because i just need to get physical the most the best thing for me is my running slog that i do because like it's mm. my jogging slogging whatever i do for even just 15 minutes blows it out of my system. I can't do, do that, that right now because I'm writing, but... Do you do that first thing in the day? That's, I do. Because when I, when I exercise first thing in the day, it sort of sets me on a path of being feeling powerful and in control. But I find it almost impossible to, like, in the moment of anxiety at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll just hop on my bike or go for a walk. Like, I yeah, can't no, get out of I, it. I'm the same. I do it in the morning. And it's interesting because today I'm having a lot more anxiety than I've had in months, and I didn't do my run mm. that I normally yeah. do. And maybe my body is like, hello, hello, hello. Um, and by everybody, it's not a run. It's a stumble. But um, <laughs> so don't no high bar here. It just I sweat. As long as I sweat and get flushed, then it's pushing, you know, it's cleaning out the system. But um, so I do think exercise is good. But if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I mean, listen, if you get on your bike for 10 minutes and break a sweat and that is the goal, you might find now you can go back to work. But if that is, I literally just sit here and write anyways. I I literally just sit, like this morning, I just chunked and chunked and was like, I hate it. I'm like, I'm grinning, I'm grinding, you know, my, my jaw is tight. And then all of a sudden, it just got a little looser and a little looser. And then I started, it literally took, honestly, two hours of grinding, grinding, grinding. Sounds fun. Sounds real fun. Writing well, but it's writing. Like I mean, you're getting, you know, when you're getting paid, like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. if you're on yeah. a TV show or whatever, like, you have to go in and just, you just have to grind through. And then all of a sudden, just to let everybody know, it did start to loosen. It did start to flow. And I went into the water. And I think just as a metaphor, I wasn't in the water because the anxiety is holding me out of the flow because it's overthinking everything and it's talking to me and it's humming like a buzzing in my body. So I can't get in the flow. But as I sat for these two hours and I did get into the flow and then I had to get off and do this podcast. But <laughs> but I was like, you're okay, welcome. This, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, this does happen. You can get into the flow. It's not like it's a, um, the anxiety wants you to think that it's a, it's a, solid rock wall mm-hmm. and the river's on the other side and you're not going in today but that's not true there is no wall there at all it's just holding you back out of fear or just existential dread which is what mm-hmm. i'm having today um but once i got in the flow i just started to feel better you know honestly and sometimes i go downstairs and i say to my husband i need you to hug me because literally mm-hmm. sometimes getting input physical hug brings you back to the present to your body I love that people, some people meditate. I think that's awesome. I can't do it. I have like too much chatter. Um, so there's different ways, but the, you know, my overall thing is you, to be a professional writer, um, most days, not all days, some days you can be like, I'm not writing today. I'm too anxious or whatever. But most days you're going to just have to push through it and keep yeah. writing and the muses will come, the characters will come and you will get lost in it like a dream. You can. Yep. But it's the bravery to sit there for two hours in that uncomfortableness, right? Of that is the trick of it. Um, and people think, well, I'm uncomfortable, so I must not be a good writer. What am I? Oh, pfft, no. <laughs> no, you're just right. not sitting in it long enough. 
And maybe and you should, I mean, that's great. We should ask people to respond on Facebook. Let's do an experiment. The next time you're anxious, annoyed, frustrated, whatever, whatever energy or emotion is keeping you from your writing, how long did it take you of sitting there for, to get into the river? Let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just take a poll. Let's just take yeah. a poll. And, and I think, too, it's about understanding what works for you. Right. Because sometimes I need to get up off this chair and get out of this environment. Like, go check back in with the world in some way, play with my dog, take a shower, and then come yeah. back. Because just sitting in it and being overwhelmed by the physical feeling and the emotional feeling, just all that negative stuff, I have to physically move out and then come back sometimes. Yeah, for you know, sure. I'm not going to be out for two hours goofing around, but um, or right. maybe I am. But, you know, uh, in my bad days. But I think there's different things that work for different people. Like well, and for you just me, have to be shower, honest with yourself, right? Yeah. Like, do you, you know, and I'm not talking about you now. I'm saying, like, you have to be honest with yourself. Because I, too, will jump up and be like, I have to go get a cookie. Or, oh, my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. Or, oh, my gosh, the dog <laughs> needs a bath or whatever. And, uh, and I, but really, I'm just avoiding now. I, I don't like the uncomfortableness. And I'm literally just avoiding and I need to just sit here and let the overwhelm overwhelm me because here's the thing it's all the voices and yet the characters will start talking they will start moving and then your brain my brain at least starts tuning to them right let them take over let them take the rudder it's not you anymore let them do it that is what I find again mm-hmm. it's just my brain let's see you guys give us feedback and tell us yeah how I'm your curious work, new, how it new works. tools yeah new tools so, Jeff, before we get on to the triggering topic of the day called perfectionism, uh, do you want to talk about the show and do the other thing that we don't like, which is... Uh, Squat all the time. You guys are our wonderful community. Um, we see more and more people in our Facebook group every day and um, just offering really, really wonderful discourse on the topics we talk about on this show. I feel like such a student in that Facebook group. I love the questions that come up. And we have professional writers, including the two that host this show, in addition to other professional writers, offering incredible feedback, advice, moral support. It just feels, it feels like for me, it's become an essential part of my journey as a writer is being in that Facebook group. So we really encourage you to join if you haven't. Uh, remember, there's a Facebook page and a Facebook group. The group is where you want to be. Um, and of course, as our uh, wonderful community as well, you guys have written some amazing reviews. Um, and we have two this week, one from Richard Gretzky. Richard, are you related to Wayne? I'm curious. Um, you talk about how, for you, this podcast is a real story. Uh, Richard says, participating in this podcast is much like reading The NeverEnding Story. You find a cozy place where you're unlikely to be disturbed and give yourself fully to the fantasy. By the time you finished, you realize not only that it's real, but that you're the central figure in it, now more prepared to live the next chapter. Wow. Oh, Richard, wow. that's so great. I know, that's I love amazing. that. Uh, I, what's cool now, about that? Now, of course, re- I'm thinking about the horse. A trainer, right? Like in that scene. Yeah, that's you. That's not me. <laughs> um, what I love about this review is it's tying the idea of story and narrative to our own lives. And just Meg and Lori, on a personal level, that's one of my favorite things about the show is that we always take our topics. And if it's about life, we'll apply it to how we create story. And if it's about story, we'll tie it to how we create our lives. So um, really beautifully written review, Richard. Thank you for that. And then the... Uh, the next review is by Redheads, not Warheads. I feel like there's a whole story nice. in that name, and I'd love to know more. <laughs> yeah. um, she says, it's like having your very own screenwriting mentors. As an emerging female writer, it can be very challenging to find other women with writing experience and talent who are willing to share their insight with you. Thank you to Lorian and Meg. I now have a weekly check-in with two amazing mentors. They approach all angles of writing, from craft to business, and while sharing their own personal struggles on this amazing journey we call screenwriting... Thank you for making me feel like I have a team behind me. Yay, and you do. Here we are. We're your team. Yes. Thanks. And there's you. even a bigger team on the Facebook page, which I love. Um, yes. There's writing groups happening on that Facebook page, like even in London. It's really, really exciting. I love that you guys are all helping each other, and the, the positivity of the group is so uh, awesome. It's lovely. Okay, so I'm now avoiding talking about perfectionism. <laughs> 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 Okay, okay, dump in. Perfectionism, let's talk about it. First of all, do you want to give us the quiz first? We want to talk okay. about what it is. I mean, is. It's, just, it's just a list of uh, signs that you might be a perfectionism, perfectionist. Uh, all or nothing thinking. Like, yes. I'm going to either dive in or do nothing, right? Uh, highly critical. 
Of myself? Yes. Yes. Uh, Pushed by fear? Well, somebody asked me the other day what my best motivation was, and I said panic. So I guess that would be a yes. there you go. Yeah. Unrealistic standards? For myself? Yes. Yes. Uh, Focused on results? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now I'm getting embarrassed. Now you're embarrassed me. No, I am. All these are me. (laughs) Like all of these as like, yes, I'm yes to all of them. Uh, (laughs) Depressed by unmet goals? I don't, I, that one is maybe iffy. Like, Well, I, it's, I think it's the word depressed. Yeah, depressed. So it might be more of... like frustrated or, annoyed, you know, I think it's yeah. depressed because that's a clinical sort of diagnosis. Yes, but... unmet goals bug me. Yes, okay. Fear of failure. Well, yeah, for sure. You're a writer. <laughs> that's just every writer. Procrastination. Yes. Defensiveness, which I don't quite know how, what that means, but. That's well, some people I know when they feel they need to be perfect get angry when they're not. Oh, and well. so I think that 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 agitation can become anger at the situation, at the person who's pointing out they're not perfect, whatever. Which of course is very dangerous if you're a writer and actually working in Hollywood because you cannot do that. You cannot. You have to figure that out. So um, yeah. I would say I I can be, I absolutely can be, but I've learned to keep it to myself and process it and right. get past it. Right. You do that offline. I do that offline. <laughs> Which we've talked about on the show a lot, right? right? You hang up the phone and then right. get... And then the last one is low self-esteem, which, um, you know, which is funny because when I when I thought about this one, I was like, well, I, I don't feel like I have low self-esteem. And then I remember like, oh, right. I either have incredibly low self-esteem or incredibly high self-esteem. <laughs> like, I'm a garbage person. I'm the queen of the universe. So obviously, Which yes. goes back to number one, black and white. That goes thing. number one, right? Like, Ta-da. yeah, garbage or queen, right? Maybe I'm the queen of garbage. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I do so, think, uh, I, I know a lot of writers from very accomplished ones to emerging who could answer all of those yes. I think it's a... Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, by the way, I do think perfectionism can be genetic. I think it can be coming oh. down the line. Um, mm. I can trace it back. Uh, and I, I see it in my son, in one of my sons. Um, now, yeah, nurture nature, who knows? But right. um, I do think I'm starting can... to see it in my eight-year-old, which is starting to freak me out a little bit because I was so, so like, you know, junior high was straight A, perfect attendance for three years. Like, it drove me and you know, I, it, but it was an obsession. It was like perfect attendance, no matter what. I went to school because I wanted that perfect attendance certificate. Right? Yeah. There's two things in that. Like, yeah. one is the um, where does it come from? Like, it's coming all the way back in your childhood. It's really good to look at where it comes from, and we can. T- I want to talk about that. But mm-hmm. what right now I want to talk about the striving. Like, it can get very confusing that perfectionism and anxiety are actually motivators. And we think in our head that it's motivating us to do better and to create better things. But it, perfectionism for sure does not. Perfectionism actually is an um, acidic crumbling agent. It, it's not a builder. It's not a manifester. It's a detractor. And anxiety can feel like it's creating, like I said, panic. I, I motivated by panic. Mm-hmm. But actually, I talked to a friend who's a psychiatrist about this. Anxiety actually is a loop. So you, you, it feels like you're moving forward and that you've got all this stuff and you accomplished it because of anxiety, and then it just loops back. So it, it may be creating good um, striving for you, but it's not the healthiest way to create striving, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's looping and it has an acidic um, response in your body as well. So, you know... I, most perfectionism, if you think about it, and from what I've read, is about avoidance and control, right? It's about, um, well, if everything needs to be perfect, I won't start because it's fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's from your list, mm-hmm. right? If you have a mm-hmm. fear of failure, you're never going to start because you're never going to have the perfect amount of money and the perfect situation and the perfect place to write and the perfect idea and the perfect notes on how to execute it and the perfect writing friends to give you notes on it and the perfect way to get it out into the world. I mean, there's so many steps in the process of writing that would have to be perfect for you to start that 
then you don't have to. And then for the rest of your life, you can imagine what would have been if you only had had the perfect. <laughs> right. Right. You don't right. ever have to face that. So that's the procrastination too, right? It, it's not just, just not right enough. So you're going to, you, that's right. the procrastination keeps you away from that failure. It keeps you away from that. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that in terms of like my journey, um, I would write like that uh, when I was a playwright, you know, and I would write uh, a scene or a play, right? I would write a bunch of stuff. The idea of rewriting was so terrifying to me because I was afraid I would ruin the essence of what was in there or break something. And then the idea that I had to rewrite it many times was so overwhelming and triggered my perfectionism in a way that it was like, I wrote, it's fine the way it is. And I was so afraid to dig back in because uh, because of that perfectionism, right? Because right. I didn't want to fail at it. So it was just sort of like, I would just shove it aside. And so what's happened is I have this graveyard of like barf drafts that I never, you know, was brave enough to go back mm. into. Um, and so for me, sort of overcoming that was really about writing the barf draft and then not giving it to anyone and really looking at what it is and reshaping it. And then having a version of it, I hate it and getting mad about it and then keeping moving forward. But that, that was a big... Um, a big hurdle in my development and doing it by myself, not having a partner, not having someone saying we, we have to do this, you know, and not being paid for it, right? Being motivated, but like, so I, yeah, it's just um, how that has manifested in my taking so long to get where I wanna go, you know? You know, it's so interesting because the one thing, and this does attach to perfectionism, that we saw, Lorian, how many times at Pixar and in other places that I've worked uh, in animation, um, because animation is such a, um, a, a, everybody together, you're watching and you're helping so many different shows that you get to a, a really wide stretch of different types of shows and people and creators. And, and there was a saying, usually the second draft goes backwards. And mm-hmm. everybody yes. would go into those screenings knowing that this has probably gone backwards. And you would have to get the note, sorry guys, this has gone backwards. But nobody was freaking out. Nobody was like, the world is over. Nobody's like, you guys are all failures and you're fired. Because they actually expected there to be backward movement in the process of developing the movies. Wow. And I really want you guys to hear that. Because you think, oh my God, I ruined it. I, I took those notes and it's ruined. Uh, and, and yes, it doesn't work. And it used to work. And that can be so frightening, especially if you're a perfectionist and you just want to run back to the other draft and you're like, but this draft, it must have been perfect and all these notes are wrong because people right. liked enough of it and now they don't like any of it. But that is the process because sometimes you have to break it in order to see it more deeply. Right? And yep. that is just the process. Sometimes you have to let, all, let's use another metaphor, you have to let all the cards fall down in order to build a new house of cards. That is just the process. And I, because I know that part of me is, I think, like, that's part of my chunking out. It's just like, oh, my God, this is all just going to fall down. Like, it, there's another side to this knowledge. But uh, you just have to guitar strum it, as Andrew Stanton says, because it, it – and don't worry about that setback. Is it a setback or you're actually still moving forward and learning things and it doesn't feel good and you're not getting, quote, unquote, the positive stuff you want, but you – you are still moving forward. So don't worry about that, oh my God, crappy second draft. And by the way, when you're doing how many? Eight, 15, it's not just as a crappy, we went backwards second. And then usually it's like fifth. You're yeah. like, oh frick, we, we lost part of it or that whole piece we had, we lost. Yeah. It's it, right? Do you remember, you remember yes. that at Pixar? Yes. You know, so let's talk about where perfection comes from. I think that is, if you want to be brave and really look at perfectionism in yourself, it is good to think about where it's coming from because often it's passed down in childhood from an authority figure or parents who kind of instilled this belief in you that your value is attached to your perfectionism, that your self-worth is attached to not failing or doing something wrong. I think especially for girls who have to be good, mm-hmm. we, we're, our, our whole value is how, you know, 
perfect we are. I mean, uh, sports, I think, helps in a way, in one way, because you get to strike out and come back at bat. Like, there's a lot of failure in sports to become an athlete. But then it becomes how good of an athlete are you and the perfectionism just comes down again, right? Mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, that idea of measuring performance, getting A's, all of that stuff, if that's part of your identity, and for sure it was for me as a kid. Like, there were five kids in my family, and the way I got attention is I was the straight-A student. I was the achiever, and that's how I got attention. Um, that and not eating any food I didn't like. But um, <laughs> I know, it drove my father crazy. Um, so, you know, my father used to say, uh, if you're going to do something, do it right. And there was always this bar you had to measure to. Um, and he'd come out and inspect any chore you did, right? Wow. And so it became about not, honestly, it didn't become about doing the chore well, which is what the I think the lesson he wanted to teach me. It became about not disappointing him. It became about not wanting to get that look on his face that you didn't do it well enough. And he didn't teach us to fail. And no, you know, my father has passed on, and so he's, you know, maybe out there in the universe saying, hey, you're not being fair. But my experience was, see, already I don't want to disappoint him. He's dead, and I don't want to disappoint him. That uh, You know, i that's the one lesson I wish as a child I had had more of and that I'm really trying to do with my kids is, um, so you failed. Great. Congratulations. That's great. You, like, you need to fail. Um, uh, so it's good to think about where it comes from. It's definitely coming from our society, media. Is, you know, in order to be capitalistic, you have to show inadequacy <laughs> I mean that's just right right that's just built into the economics um, but you know if you got if you want to think about your own perfectionism and where it's coming from you know I love Byron Katie uh, who talks about an exercise to do is really what we're talking about is belief systems right that this belief system if you're going to do something do it right is now a belief system deep in my unconscious and the stakes are disappointing my father, which becomes disappointing my director, which becomes disappointing my friend, which becomes disappointing my kid, whatever. Um, and so when you feel it come up, like a thought coming, like, oh, because I say, my director is going to be so mad that I'm late. And then you have to immediately be like, is that true? And catch it. Just Just question the belief as it comes up in you, as you hear... The tape roll in your head. If you're going to do something, do it right. Ask yourself, is that true? You should not even attempt to do something unless you can do it right. I actually don't even agree with that. Consciously, as my who I am. I don't agree with that. That is not true for me. And yet it's a tape that I'm, I'm, I'm working on. And then if you can catch that, is it true? Without a shadow of a doubt, 100% true. Think about how it makes you feel to have that belief in your body. And then think the opposite thought. Just take it. What is, and the the reason to do something is to do it, to experience it. What if the reason to do something is to fail? Oh my God! Think about that thought. What if that was the belief? The belief was the reason to do something is to fail because that means you're actually trying. That means you're actually out on your edge. What if that was the belief that motivated your action? Like what a different life you'd have. What a different life I would have. I'm giving myself therapy right now. But it's funny just, because I've been watching my daughter. I've talked about this before. She's she's writing screenplays again. She's eight, yes. and she she wrote one and uh, she wanted to shoot it. You know, she writes fearlessly, right? She just writes it. You know, she, I taught her final draft, right? She just she's just in there. Then she wanted to shoot it, and it was so hard for her, like realizing how hard it was going to be to like use her father's iPhone and like set and lighting, like she got so frustrated. And so we had to talk about that, right? Like, oh no, we're gonna do this a bunch of times. It's gonna be really awful. And she's like, I wanna do it right the first time, <laughs> you know? But sort of, um, it's been interesting watching her process. You know, she's working with another kid now and they're talking about green screens. It's it's a oh lot. Oh my but, gosh. But it's, a, and I'm not involved at all. I just hear the, the conversations, but sort of watching how much fun they have talking about it. And then when they actually have to do it and it's really hard, mm. it gets very frustrating. But I think the point I brought up with this is how how fearlessly she dives into things. And she said to her friend, um, I don't want notes, but you can ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good honor. Good honor. 
That's I was awesome. Like, I'm gonna, well, because I'm use that. You know, at that age, the expectations are, I will do it. The expectations are, I'm going to have fun. The expectations are, I want to. That is yes. the expectation. I want to. And yes, you're, she's seeing now that it's going to be hard and I want it to be good at the first time. Already a new expectation has come in, right? That if yeah. she was younger, she would not have developmentally. But now she's eight, so she's starting to say, well, I need it to be good. Right? So you can see it right. starting to come in, right? And part of our reason to do talk to people about barf drafts is to get rid of that expectation. There's a reason I call, we call it barf. Because it ain't going to be good. It's going to be quite smelly. It's going to be something that might feel repulsive or whatever, however you relate to barf. And yet it will feel good after you're done, right? Yes. So is to get that expectation off of it. It's why we're talking about second drafts go backwards because you have to get the perspective, get above it. You know what I mean? Like I, I just keep thinking about, you know, we talk about in, in creativity, Andrew Stanton would talk about go up 30,000 feet, right? Because you're getting, you're so close to it, you can't see it anymore. You've got to get up 30,000 feet, look at the whole thing. And I thought today, well, that's the same about perfectionism, right? I get so down into this isn't right and that isn't right. And if I can just get up 30,000 feet and be like, oh my God, look at all I did. I did all of this work. And if I actually look at how many days I did it, oh my God, I'm right. okay. I, I just can't get any perspective uh, on the expectation that I'm putting on myself, right? So, you know... I, you know, I, it's so funny. I started that fabric painting class that I told you guys about because I didn't want it to have to be perfect. I didn't want it to have expectation. I, and then I did it. I like stopped going because my stuff was quote unquote bad. <laughs> oh no, Meg. I know. Because I got stuck on this one and I'm like, I don't like it. I don't know what to do. And did I think you? if it was an in-person class, the teacher would have come over and I could have, ha but I can't by myself get out of it. So I think over break, I'm going to do it. And here's my new thing, because this was another exercise that I think I'm going to try. I'm going to purposefully make my fabric painting bad, imperfect. I'm going to purposefully take this thing that I already don't like, and I'm going to be like, how can I make this imperfect? I, and I'm just going to mess it up, because I, what else? I don't like it already, just to see that I don't die and that nothing happens and that I make a discovery because I intellectually know that, but this part of me, this, this if you do something, do it right, is so ancient. It's like an ancient lizard with its claws in me that I'm just gonna have to, I think this painting class is a safe way. Like I can't do that in my writing right now because <laughs> I'm on assignment, right. but I am. I'm also gonna do it. I'm gonna hand people this script that is nowhere near perfect. So I am gonna do it, but that's terrifying. Um, well, one of the, to that, the failures, one of the exercises I used to do with an old writing group was um, we'd uh, write the worst version of it that we could possibly think of. Love it. Right? Like, don't even, this cannot be good. Like, this is literally the worst version of this scene. And it was so much fun. And actually, what always happened is some discovery was made, some little nugget came out of it, but you had a scene at the end of it even though it was so bad, right? But you had then something to rewrite. So it was, and it was so like freeing without those expectations. And I forgot about that until just now. And I'm super excited. <laughs> yes, like let's make it, it's so funny because I sometimes talk to people about their writing that feels unemotional and we'll be talking about, well, that just feels sentimental. And I'll be like, okay, you, your job for your writing exercise is to write the scene as sentimentally as you can. Like literally it should ooze, it should give me diabetes. It's so sentimental, like just, Go for it. And inevitably, yes. they're a beautiful, emotional, heartbreaking, breathtaking thing would come up that it, once its expectations were off of it, once it didn't have to carry the weight of, of the childhood, whatever belief system, mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. it was. So that's, I love that, Lauren. I love that. Yeah. I mean, the irony, the last thing I want to talk about in terms of this, just to throw it out there, is the irony so we have the irony that we are perfectionists doing a show on perfectionism and <laughs> had a trigger moment. The other irony is that the best characters in writing are utterly imperfect. That perfect characters are boring. Nobody wants to go see a movie about a perfect person. As a matter of fact, we really don't like them. Do you remember when I first came on to Inside Out and Joy as a character existed and one of the first things they said to me is, nobody likes Joy. Yeah. Why? What's happening? Nobody likes Joy. And I was like, because she's perfectly happy. 
Mm-hmm. She's just happy all the time. It's so annoying, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, she, there's no vulnerability. There's no imperfection. There's no, um, all of her doubt, all of her fear, all of that other stuff that creates the imperfection. That is the stuff that makes a great character, right? Yeah. And think about what are the belief systems. So I'm talking about this belief system I had in me. If you're going to do something, do it right. Well, your characters have belief systems. And the trick of it is you have to convince me that that is right. So if you were doing the story of Meglifuv, you would be me and you would think, oh, my God, her dad is totally right. Like, if you're going to do something, do it right. And you would have to convince me that was utterly the way the world worked so that I can then have the catharsis of that lizard letting go and that belief system, quote unquote, dying, which is what happens at the end of act two, right? It, it's the death moment of that piece, right? I think in real life, they never fully die. They just kind of will take a back seat, right? And just their, their voice goes down a little bit. But in stories, we want this kind of giant cathartic thing. It is, so in order, I guess what I'm trying to say is that in order for your character to have a cathartic second act emotional breakthrough, they have to be wrong in act one. They have to be imperfect in act one. <laughs> right. And then shift. So I just think that's the irony of us doing a show on perfectionism is your job as a writer is to find what's imperfect about your character. Well, what's so funny is in talking about this and this uh, pilot I just wrote, I'm realizing that both, well, all of my main characters are responding to the world because it didn't turn out the way they thought it was, the way they needed it to, that they are thrown into chaos because they had this idea of how it was supposed to be, the perfect version of their lives, and then this bomb was dropped in the middle of it. Not literally, although that would be an interesting, I'll explore that in my pitch. But um, but just that like that's a major component of what I'm writing about right now is the expectation of perfection and not disappointing people and, you know, making well, everything work. And having read this beautiful, amazing pilot, what I love most about it is their imperfections. I love all the mistakes they're making. I love how how committed they are to the wrong path, right? <laughs> how committed they are to this breaking of expectation, right? Like the expectation is this is who you are and therefore you'll do this. And your character's like, I don't know if that's what I'm going to do. And I love that, that she's shocking everybody, right? That that's what I'm actually attaching to because she's doing what I want to do, that I want to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not, maybe I won't, or maybe I will. And then she flows back. I just love the, the give and take uh, between those poles and that is why it's so juicy right sold and sold sold <laughs> and if i just said too much about your pilot we can just cut it out no, i think no, i no. left it broad enough i think I no left. no no it's fine I, I it always helps to talk about it with a fan i'm a fan <laughs> no but seriously if you don't want it going out in the world jeff can just cut that out okay um so you decide so i didn't mean to like out anything no, I think that's I warned what it's you. About. I warned you, Lorian. I called you and said, "I'm anxious. I may say talk too much. I may say I make I might make a mistake." No, I think it's the perfectionist I, topic. I think it's fine because I brought it up, and it it speaks to the point of what we're talking about, right? Like, no, it's not a one way. You're not. We're not always perfectionists. Sometimes we fall down. Sometimes we fall out of it. Sometimes we overcome it. Right? It's. It's not just always one way that we are. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Now I'm blathering. You can cut all that out. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. I just want to echo, I, I personally resonated so much, Meg, when you were talking about the fact that really the journey of every character is coming to terms with their lack of perfection. Like, I think that is such an astute observation. If you think about archetypally perfect characters, so movies that feature characters who seem perfect, the good ones are always the journey of realizing how painful that is. Right. It's always the journey of realizing how that's going to be their doom. And the beauty of life is actually realizing our weaknesses, realizing our flaws. And it's so funny as writers, we love that when we're building characters, but we can't do it in our own lives. And somehow we're able to acknowledge the journey and the beauty of a character coming to terms with their own imperfection, but we can't do it for ourselves. So I just think that is so sharp. I just wanted to... Don't reiterate you think what you that said because it really why... was a breakthrough for me. Oh, I'm so glad. And don't you think that's why stories exist? Because that imperfection, that vulnerability, 
It's how we connect to each other. It's how that I understand what you're going through. It is empathy. You know, it, you know, it's not psychopathic narcissism, which is what's making me nuts today. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's humanity and that, and that, um, that we all can lose. We can all not get picked. We can all get fired. We can all, that is a human experience and it actually deepens who you are as a person to fail. It, happen, it actually connects you to other people to fail. Right, that that is actually where you connect to people. So that is what we want for your character to open up and connect through that vulnerability. That's kind of the emotional stuff. And now I'm talking and realizing I don't know if I'm doing this in my script, but <laughs> I have <laughs> now have another thing to add to my document list to check. I um, think that's so interesting about doing this show is I always, like, as I'm talking and listening, I'm always like, oh, like, I have some, like, realization about my work or myself or my process. Um, if only I listened to the show. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Oh, yeah, we wanted to mention that we can't listen to the show because we're perfectionists and it will drive us crazy and we will probably get frozen with just I'll never be able to do it yeah. again but there yeah. are actors there are very famous actors who never see themselves in their movies for this very reason because I, I just think it might shut me down and I may not be as honest but uh you guys yeah. are giving us feedback you'll tell us if we're going off the rails all of you wonderful beautiful listeners yeah yeah um all right yeah. well there's our show it's over <laughs> <laughs> it's over oh, the perfectionism is over there was a, an interesting question we got in the email, um, and this person asked that their name not be used, so I feel okay. okay about this, but the person asked about dealing with um, envy at other people's success. Oh, that's and not, good. like, um, still happy for their friends, but also just sort of that feeling like, why not me? Mm. You know, I want that too, and sort of that it can be a driver, but it also can be, you know, can have negative you know, it's a distraction and sort of what are ways to deal with it. And um, I've been thinking about it a lot. And for me, it's not reading deadline. Like I can't read oh, no, one don't more. Do that. No, don't I do that. I can't read one more success story about someone else. Like, mm -mm. you know, I had this idea at first that I'm like, I'm reading it to keep up on, on what's going on in the world. And I was like, this is making me feel bad yeah, because yeah. I'm not in deadline this week, <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, no more deadline. And, um, and then uh, just uh, trying really hard to celebrate other people's success and realize there's enough pie for everyone, right? Like it's not pie, all boats rise, like all those things we say to each well, other. It's not, yeah, it's not a cookie. You know, there's a right. lot of cookies. There's thousands and thousands and millions of cookies. And that person's cookie can't be yours because they're, you're not them. Like it's, you wouldn't have right. written that. You wouldn't have, um, it, it's really interesting because I also love that even in the question that as you phrased it, Lorian, was want. And it's mm. okay to want that. It, Ambition, it's good. yeah. It, it's yeah. good to say, hey, I, I wish I, I really want to have sold a show or I really want to have been staffed and that you can have both of those feelings at the same time, that you're truly happy for your person, but you're also feeling your own longing. Mm -hmm. Longing mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing and want and acknowledge yourself. You want that, it's okay want it want it so much that you're going to get up every day and write let not the envy i don't want the envy to the motivate drive. you the, the drive, drive is the you want. want for yourself to tell your own stories you're never going to have that person's life you're never going to have their career what do you and that's where we go back to beacon right they're on their beacon if you're on your beacon and you're staying what you want moving towards it you just have to come back to you, come back to your beacon, come back to what you want. And no, it's normal. It's normal to be envious. I mean, I know people who have won multiple Academy Awards who still feel it every once because it's just human. <laughs> it's just human. That again is in a weird way, the perfectionism, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, oh my gosh, uh, she made more movies in that five year span than I did or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. As if there's some measuring stick happening out there in the world. Well, it's I about do every accomplishment. Once Right, yeah, achievement, accomplishment. accomplishment. You know, making things, uh, having things out in the world. Right, like I've done a lot of stuff, but like, it's not out there for anyone yet. Right, and so that's hard too when you see like public 
hey, I got this movie or I got, I sold a book or all this stuff where it's like, I'm like, I've been writing, I've been working, but like, I don't have anything to sort of brag about yet. Not brag, share, right? Or brag. Own. Own. Or brag. brag. Shonda Rhimes thinks that women need to start bragging. And I agree. You need to start bragging because why not? You're going to, and it, that it's, it's completely healthy to be envious and just as long as you don't get stuck there and the way not to get stuck there is, in my opinion, go back and focus on your own wants. Because sometimes, I mean, Lorian, sometimes when you read Deadline, you, I, I know this happens to me. I think this happens but to you. But it's not just you Deadline. Get, it's all the trades. Whatever. Right? Or you hear it or whatever and yes. you get envious yeah. and then you have to go, wait a minute, would I actually want that? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't no. actually want that. I wouldn't right. want to be on that show, or I wouldn't want to have have to create that every week, or I wouldn't want to whatever, right? Have you know? Uh, and if you really would want it, which I think is very rare, um, now you have more specificity about what you yeah. want, right? It's and again, that, there's not one that, cookie. It's success, right? I want right. their success. I want this public validation. I want right. to be approved. You know, Here, can I just tell you the irony about success? Because you want it, and then you get it, and now the spotlight's on you. <laughs> and if you think it's not harder, you, you're up for a surprise. Because everybody thinks that all your problems are going to be solved when you're successful. But what happens is that Jabbar just raises. You're in the major leagues, as my husband says. It gets doesn't get easier. So all the stuff we're talking about for emerging writers and young writers you are working out your muscles. You are working out with weights because all the skill set you have of how to take notes, how to process things, how to deal with envy, how to deal with fear, how to deal with perfectionism, bop, 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 many, many things. Now you're in the major leagues and you got to play ball in the middle of all of that. And you're on a $150 million movie. And everybody's waiting for you. <laughs> I have to go right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what you're doing today, Meg. All right, all right. Come on, come on. I'm just saying. So it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. I envy is a good indicator. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, thank you guys for being with us on the show. We really love doing this, and please do reach out on the Facebook page because we love hearing from you. And uh, keep giving us feedback and tell us what you need. And remember, you are not alone. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.